Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. All right, so tonight we talked a little bit about earlier, just briefly, what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be in the middle part of chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5. And so tonight we're going to actually start where Mr. Chad left off. And I want to, specifically, I want to talk about verse 5. Because verse 5 really sets us up for the rest of what we're doing tonight. But first, I want to kind of discuss. So what I titled tonight was how our identities in Christ direct our duties as Christians. We've seen this letter to the, Thessalonians, or for, to the Thessalonians. We've seen it develop from encouragement to remaining steadfast to encouraging others. Right? And so we get to see that again here. But one thing we haven't seen this whole time is kind of now Paul's going to tell us about our identities, our, our, identity, our identities in Christ or our identities as sons and daughters of the day or the light. And so <clears throat> when I talk about identities and our responsibilities, I, I wrote down a couple things. And on my notes every week, I write this thing called story time. And the things I wrote tonight were it just says story time and it says standing a watch or fighting, hear me out, or hunting. And so I wrote those because tonight Paul warns them, the, Th the Thessalonians, along with us to stay on guard. And one of the things I wrote was because or that wrote that story time for standing a watch is for those of you that don't know, back in the 1900s, I was in the Navy. And one of those things some of my sea cadets or my uh, ROTC kids can attest to. One of those things that we have are procedures for everything. Every single thing that we do, there's some kind of procedure to tell us how to do it. You would be surprised or you wouldn't. But one of those things is standing a watch. And we have these things called our general orders. I know that when I was in the military, it was a, our 11 general orders. And if you asked me to try to say them, I would probably say one and that's all I got like the letter one or word one I got nothing else um, but it, we had these 11 general orders of a century and that's how we were to carry ourselves while we were on watch while we were representatives of our commander wherever we worked right and so one of those things was we had equipment to maintain and some of that equipment could have been like uh, uh, bulletproof vests helmets which we're going to learn about a little bit tonight those two things were critical but those were some of the things that we had to maintain but also one of those general orders was to be on guard at all times, watching. I'm sure you've heard of it. Some of you may have heard of it. Keep your head on a swivel. I had this guy that was in charge of me once, and he kind of got it messed up. And he goes, you got to keep your eyes on a swivel. And I was like, I'd like to see you try. But it never happened. But I used uh, that, and I used fighting for a reason. Some of you don't know I do jujitsu. Uh, and a big thing with jujitsu is you always have to be on guard because attacks can come from anywhere, like absolutely anywhere, from your toes to your nose. Um, you can have your ankles uh, hurt, you can have your knees hurt, you can have your legs hurt, you can have your arms, your head, your chest. In this case, last night, my rib. He was a very large man and it hurt. But if you're not on guard and you're not protecting yourself from these things, you lose. And I used hunting for another reason because some of us in here have hunted before, both, both boys and girls. But I used hunting for a reason because when you're sitting in the blind, the tree stand, or the 
uh, wherever you're sitting to hunt, you have to be on guard. And it's not necessarily the guard like you're trying to defend your life. I mean, some of those animals are big, but it's the fact that you're going to miss something. You could have animals walk right underneath you and never see them. You can have a picture of an animal underneath your stand while you're sitting there and you never saw it. Ask me how I know. Um, but those are the important things that we're going to see how that works out tonight in this set of verse passages. So let's get into it. Who wrote the book? Who said Jesus? Who wrote the book? Thank you. Thank you. When was it written? It's very fair. What else? Can you put a number to it? Very good. 50. AD, I like it. Where was it written from? It's usually the right answer when you're talking about Paul's uh, letters, right? And who was it written to? Thank you. And why was it written? This should be interesting. Why was it written? Okay, we can go that, we'll go that route. I'll take it. Or to encourage them, right? Because this church was the church that encouraged Paul the most. That's why he wrote them so that they would maintain those things that he had heard about. So we're going to start, actually we're going to start in, uh, in where Mr. Chad left off. And then I'm going to have Michelle read. But I want to read this first before we uh, get moving. Because this is where Paul reassures us that our identity, or of our identity, we are saved and we are sons of the light. Verse 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5 reads like this. And it says, for you, excuse me, for you are all children of the light. Children of the day, we are not of the night or of the darkness. And he also mentions this to the Colossians 2 in his letter. And in Colossians 1, 13, or uh, 1, 11 through 14, he says, uh, he says, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. He has delivered us from the domain. Uh, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So Miss Jessie's going to come up and she's going to read the verses for tonight. So give it up for Miss Jessie for being excited. So she's going to read 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 6 through 11. If you would please stand with me in honor of God's word. Yeah. Do you want to pray or you want me to pray? All right. Okay. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Y'all, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come tonight, Lord, say thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be in here and just to study your word, Lord, to glorify you, Lord, and grow with you. God, we love you. So just let me pray. Amen. All right, you be seated. All right, so, yeah, give it up. Hey. Go. All right, so 
Let's start off with uh, verse 6. In verse 6 it reads, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. There's a, there's a bunch of different meanings to words in this chapter. We've heard sleep means death in Christ. We've heard all kinds of other ones. But sleep here means lazy. In this context, it means willfully unaware, avoiding responsibilities. Sober, another key word, here means awareness, keeping our heads on that swivel. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean in regards to being uh, a drunkard or just constantly filling yourself with bad things. It's the fact that my being sober-minded and ready to attack the day and face off the things that attack me. Right? And so if we read, it says when we're lazy, temptation takes over. You know it's true. And I underline that in here because it's the truth. But Jesus warns us of this in Luke. And in Luke twenty-two forty-six, 46, it reads like this. He tells us to... Uh, 2246 reads just like this. And he says, and if you're, you're not familiar, this is where Jesus goes to the mountain. He prays the mountain. He comes back down and you're going to see how it plays out. And he says, and when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So. As believers in Christ, we are always to remain vigilant. We're supposed to be on guard. We're supposed to be ready to defend our faith. We talked about last week when, uh, or the week prior to, when we had somebody come up and share their faith. The reason why we have those people share their faith, where we share their salvation, is because we want them to be confident in their faith. Because without confidence, is there really anything there? Paul talks about the armor that we're going to use later in this chapter. But those are the things that we're given when we've given our life to Christ to defend us from those things. Years ago, uh, at, we saw the slide of Snowbird, and I use a lot of their stuff. I listen to a lot of their uh, material. But years ago, me and Pastor Jesse talked about this. Years ago, they had this uh, T-shirt. It was awesome. It said, go to war every day. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. And so when you look at the context of just that simple message on a shirt, if you see the shirt, you're like, man, that's awesome. But then when you understand what he's talking about, we have to go to war every day against our sin. It's the battle that we have undertaken as being followers of Christ. Two years ago at camp, it was the, the theme of the camp was... If you take a day off, you get mauled by a lion. And if you look at 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, I'm getting there. 1 Peter 5, 8 reads, some of you might be familiar with this, but it says, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded. There's that word again, sober, sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Hmm. That's crazy. Then I wrote, but our duty is to not sleep. And our foundational rules that Paul has laid out here, he backs up with our identities as sons of the day. And we saw that in verse 5. And verse 5 again reads like this. He said, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. 
So it, it seems confusing and it will get a little bit more confusing as we open, uh, as we dig deeper into this text. But understand he's not talking about like if the room's just dark. Mr. Christian, can you do me a favor and flip that switch right there? Nope, the one, yep. So he's not talking about living like this, right? Right, so I want, so, this, okay. Hey, 100% transparency, this wasn't planned and I'm glad he's back there. So I can't hear who's talking, I can't see what you're doing, but this is me living in the darkness. I'm fully awake, but I cannot see what you're doing. I mean, I can see my eyes aren't that bad, right? You know, if he shuts the backlight off, it gets even worse. And then I will see less. Go ahead, turn it back on, Mr. Christian. So, I know, I know, I'm sorry. But for, I, I use that as an example because I can be fully awake in darkness. That's what Paul's talking about here. Being fully awake in darkness. How does that work? Which says, remain sober-minded. Keep your head on the swivel, right? Always watching. He also talks about not being asleep. It says, we have, I wrote, we have, remember, we have talked about it in the last two sermons about the coming of Christ. And here, or in Jesus uh, warns us in Mark to be prepared at all times. This is going to be a long one, but it's Jesus' word, so it's pretty awesome. So if you want, turn to Mark 13, 32 through 37. We'll actually be studying this, I think, in a couple of weeks in Sunday school. Mark 13, 32, 37. I'm going to read this whole thing, and it's a bit of a read. But I want to read it because it's important. Because in my Bible, it's written in red. So here we go. This kind of sums up what we've been talking about. It says, but concerning the day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son nor the son, but only the father be on guard, keep awake for you do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and pushes or, and puts his servants in charge each with his work and commands a doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake for you do not know when the master of the house will return in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So is he talking about physically awake? Just being up? I'm, I'm sure some of you at your age, a long time ago, we used to do like, a, I'd go stay at a friend's house and I'd see if I could stay up from like Friday night to when I had to go home Sunday night. And believe it or not, this thing used to fit on a skateboard. And so what we would do is we would take our skateboards. This is in uh, California where I went to middle school and high school. But what we would do is in, we'd take our skateboards and we would, uh, this is a long time ago with Mr. Corey. But what we would do is we would like go find places to skate. And we would try to do this for two days and ride around that second day. Like Friday night you're up and you're having a good time and that young energy is kicking in and like three o'clock in the morning, you're like, I can do this all day. And then you realize that you've been riding around on a skateboard for like six hours. And you're like, my legs hurt, my feet hurt. And it's like eight o'clock in the morning, you're like, 
I can't stay awake anymore. This is terrible. He's not, he's not talking about being physically awake. He's talking about being alert. So being alert, one of the things I know as a parent, our, the parents in here, and even going to Winter Jam, the chaperones that were with you, they were on alert because we don't want to lose a kid or two. So all of the adults were on alert for the students that we brought. When, uh, when Peter, we talked about the, the verse in, in First Peter, what Peter's doing at that time is he's telling the elders and the young people to carry this attitude, to be on guard, to be watchful because of the lion that prowls. Remember, take a day off, you get mauled by a lion, right? And when we remember that, like it makes sleeping and being awake completely different. All right. I'm going to figure this out. We'll see. I wrote in my notes and it literally says I wrote on my pen and paper. I wrote like raccoons at night and I can't remember why. I had like a sweet story about raccoons and how I want to own some and turn them into master criminals. But I can't remember what I had to do with uh, raccoons. But I do know that they're nocturnal animals for the most part, and they do all of their dirty work at night. And if you live out on a dirt road or where raccoons might live or congregate, let me know. Look for a couple babies. But if you live out in those places, you've seen raccoons, and normally it's at night. Or if you're campers, you've seen them try to take your food at night. Uh, Miss Jessie has a hilarious story about some raccoons and Cheetos, right? How they were camping as a kid. I'll tell the story and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's okay because it's hilarious and you can see why I want raccoons. But they were sleeping at night and they heard a bunch of noise and her dad opened the tent and there was a raccoon on the picnic table holding a Cheeto. It was like, did he, he put it back, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> now you can see why. Right. But I, I, I'm not comparing us to raccoons, but I want to be able to work like a raccoon does in the darkness. That may have been where I was going. I don't know. I didn't have coffee at this time, but I want to be able to do those things. I want to be able. So when the lights are off or when I'm in a dark spot, I want to be able to operate like they do. We've all seen most of the TV shows or movies that where there's Navy SEALs or Army Rangers and you see them or some of you play Call of Duty where they flip down the nods and that cool, terrible sound, if you ever heard in person, flips on. That whizzing sound and then they see everything. They're able to operate at night. Pitch black darkness, night vision goggles. I want those night vision goggles. I want to be able to do what God asks me to do in any type of darkness. It'd be cool. I think. And so, anybody here afraid of the dark? Be, hey, be honest. If you are, raise your hand. I like it. Honesty is the best policy. It's my boys. That's right. One girl. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Oh, two. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, right on. Girl power. All right. So here, 
Okay, so I want. Okay, let me talk about this real quick. But I can't for like a long time. But have you? Uh, maybe most of you. Have you ever seen the show? Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> like, like who is? I don't even know. I don't have like a TV subscription to anything for this. But is Nickelodeon still around? Because they used to have this show called Are You Afraid of the Dark? And if you're not afraid of clowns or things under your bed. Watch that show. It'll fix that problem. But it used to be an awesome show, and it was like, and you would watch these shows, and the best part of it is if you look up on Wikipedia, and I should have wrote it down, the description of this show says, horror, children's TV series. Like, I'm not a horror guy. Like, I'm not. But it's hilarious that it's catered towards kids, because some of the stories were stories, but it's the fact that they say horror, children, TV series. Are you afraid of the dark? Sorry about that. But it says, so I wrote down here, who here sleeps in the dark? I sleep in the dark. I like it when it's dark. If it's not dark enough, I wear a mask on my face because I need my beauty sleep, like a lot. But this isn't what he means. And it says, sleeping in the dark is an avoidance of Jesus' light and his light in the world. You guys ever tried to nap when it's sunny? Like Miss Jessie can tell you when I try to take a nap in the afternoon because naps are awesome. um, I'll put a big pillow on my head. And like just not to like smother me because I don't want to give her the chance, but like just on my eyes. Right. I'm like, oh, it was accidental. But like just on my eyes so that I can't see and it's real heavy and it blocks out the sun or the light and I can sleep. That's beautiful. But. I wrote it, sleep in the dark is, or not there, it says, but uh, if we are believers in Christ, we are no longer in the dark. So it would be like trying to nap in the brightest lights. Naps are cool. I'm old. Naps are cool. False. So, but I'm going to use nap as a metaphor here. And because we're talking about the darkness, we're talking about sleeping. I'm going to talk about the nap because some of us take naps in our faith, right? Don't we? Micah, don't we? It's wild. But sometimes we take naps in our face or or, our faith or we convince ourselves that if we just take a little bit of a sleep, I can be rested or I can be relieved or I can be restored. Where that restoration, that relief or that or that sleep or whatever you want to call it comes from sin. And you know, it's sin and it's something you've repented of and you've turned away from. But you go, hey, if I just take a couple of minutes to do whatever the case may be, look at something bad do something bad, I'm just taking a nap. Well, here's the thing. If, if we're believers in Christ, we are no longer in the dark. It would be like trying to nap in the brightest of lights. A light that penetrates everything, like everything. No matter how much cover you try to put on your eyes, no matter how much you try to block out the sun, it still keeps you awake so bad. You can't, you close your eyes and your eyes are still burning. You can't because that's the faith that we have in Christ. When we give our life to him, it's pretty awesome. Do we take naps sometimes? It happens. Sometimes we get so worn down in our fight or our, or our war or our battle for our faith that we take those naps. But what happens with the nap? It's usually short. You usually wake up. 
you turn back towards the light of the day. We make mistakes in our faith. We're not perfect. That's the way we were born. We were born in sin. We make those mistakes. We've given our life to Christ. Does that mean we're perfect? No, we were born in sin. We are constantly trying to be better. But if I've given my faith, I put my, I've given my faith, I have faith and trust in Christ and I've repented and I've given my life to him. He's going to keep me in the day. He's going to remind me to wake up. If I'm faithfully resting in him, he will keep me awake. If that makes sense. Or he will keep me rested. And so the Bible warns of drunkenness. And here Paul is saying, uh, without light and no Jesus, we get drunk. Or makes more sense this way. We increase our blindness to the Lord in his return. So verse eight goes, verse eight reads like this says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Two parts. The children of the day were in Ephesians five, eight. It reads like this. It says, for at one time you were in the darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Well, that's encouragement, right? It says, Jesus is the light of the world and we are saved from the darkness when we repented and accepted Christ. We have been adopted into the family of the Lord. We are now brothers and sisters in the light and we know light is Jesus. That's point one. I'll tell you a story about verse eight here. It's like pretty funny. Well, for me. Two is, is, is the importance of the body armor in battle protecting the vitals and how it relates to this. I wrote this out of a commentary. I actually copied it and pasted it because it would take me forever to write because I'm terrible at typing. But it says, according to the Bible, the heart is the center not only of spiritual activity, but of all of the operations of human life. The heart and soul are often used interchangeably. So let's talk about body armor. Some of you guys will think this is cool. Some of you guys that watch those shows or are into that stuff or play those video games know that the more upgraded body armor I have, the more protected I am. It's usually how things work. Well, when you get into a gunfight, the two most important things you can have on you are your helmet and your body armor. So well, why, why is that? Well, the obvious is it protects the vitals. It protects everything here and it protects your head. Because if you get hit in the head, it's lights out. If you get in a battle, you get hit in the chest or the back. That's where your vitals are. And then you're going to shut down one of your pieces of equipment and everything's not going to work right. You're probably not going to make it out. So when we wear this armor, this faith and love, this, this, this breastplate of faith and love, we have to remember that we go to battle every day. And me and Mr. Chad were talking before, kind of going back and forth and realizing that he uses the same kind of thing that we did in the Navy and we do now in my government service shop is we have these things called plan maintenance periods. 
And some of them are immediately after use, like say I use this table, I get done using that table, I have to do a maintenance on it to make sure the table works next time before I use it. Well, the same goes for our body armor, our helmets, because those things wear down. I've had armor where straps have broken, I've lost chin straps on helmets, I've lost pieces of equipment literally out of my vest that I did not remove, um, straps have broken, if we don't maintain that armor, the battles that we face will take a toll where eventually those will take over and win. So in uh, if we don't remember that, if we don't remember to do that maintenance or to do the constant upkeep, then those naps that we talked about earlier start to turn into sleep. Our awareness wanes. If you've ever been awake for a long time, you realize quickly that you start like losing coherence. Is that it? You start losing your ability to recognize things. Um, you run stop signs. You forget to do simple things. Turn off the stove. You forget to let the dogs in or out. You in your life, you may forget to do homework. You might miss a bus. You might miss a class in school. You spend all night studying this for this test. And then you realize it's 3 o'clock in the morning. You go to sleep for two hours. You get back up to go to school. And because you didn't sleep, you remember nothing. It's the same way we have to treat our faith. That breastplate of love, that helmet of salvation if we're not constantly reminded to maintain those they become worthless body armor has a life a shelf life if you have somewhere you know somebody that has some take a look there's a sticker on it, it says when it was manufactured and when the shelf life goes out it's like having bad milk on your chest but it doesn't smell as bad or it does it's the same with a helmet. A helmet has a shelf life. If you don't get that replaced part of the shelf life, there's a good chance that it won't work. It's the same thing with your faith. If you don't keep renewing your faith, that's wrong. If you don't keep strengthening it or keeping it going, it won't last as long, if that makes sense. You're not going to lose it, but it's going to be easier to take those little naps, that siesta, that break from being a Christian so I can get some kind of reprieve or some refresh. If we don't maintain those. So verse 9 is familiar or it might sound familiar. But verse 9 reads. For God has not destined us for wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 10 follows along. So I'll read those together. And it says who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep. We might live in him. So can anybody guess where I'm going? It's in the book of John. You get one guess. Anybody? You can stay. Yes, you did. Thank you. But we're going to say John 3, 16 and 17. So uh, verse 9 and 10, that's the gospel. Do you guys know who uh, John Piper is? Anybody? Mr. Chad's shaking his fist so he knows who he is. I think Miss Jesse might know who he is. But he's a guy, and I think he's probably like this tall, comparatively, right? But he speaks this big. He's like the biggest guy in the room when he comes and talks. And he, he has a tendency to yell at you with love. 
And you're like, this guy preaches really well and he's very mean, but I know that he loves me because I can tell by his tone. And it's amazing. Well, I've watched a couple of sermons of his. He has these really cool things. If you're a YouTuber, go on YouTube and look up uh, his, his YouTube videos. And he does a really cool thing where he walks through books of the Bible. And he walked through this one. And I really enjoyed what he said. But this is the gospel. So we read John three sixteen. Who can read it without me? Who can read it to me with their brains? Brenton, what do you got? All right, close enough. Yeah, good. All right, so I'll read 17 also, but it says, For God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but in, uh, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. That's the gospel. That's what we're preaching. That's our goal of teaching you. That's the whole thing. That's why Paul is reminding them. That's why we need those constant reminders of what Jesus did for us. And in the previous couple of uh, verses... We learn what we have been equipped with, although we may not think we have. We've learned what we've been equipped with to fight those battles, to go to war every day, to live in the light, to be sons of the day. That's pretty cool. To go to war every day. We are prepared for it because of verse 9 and 10. And I'll read them again. It says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. That's awesome. When I asked my middle school boys two Sundays ago to share the gospel, some of them it was difficult for. Some of them it felt like they got put on the spot. And I did it intentionally. And I asked questions that would stump them. They would say something. They were all right, but they would say something. And I'd ask them a question and throw them a little curveball. And they'd miss something. Or they'd lock up. It's not their fault. They are not prepared for that battle as well as they could be. So how do you prepare? Well, it's right here. God's Word. Read things like this. This isn't just a letter to the church of Thessalonica. It's a church from us today. Or for us today. And so that's what the last chapter or last verse says. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Previous chapters, he talks about keep doing what you're doing or do more and more of what you're doing. Keep encouraging your brothers and sisters. Because without the people that are sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, this is an awfully hard walk. This is an awfully hard battle. If you don't have those brothers and sisters in the light, those brothers and sisters in Christ, it's hard to be refreshed. It's hard to get that relief. If you're that person that has your salvation and you keep it close and tight and don't share it and you see a brother or a sister struggling and you know they're struggling and you know they're faithful and you know you can help them by encouraging them but you don't because you're afraid then what do you do right well it all starts with the stuff that, that Paul was talking about in here and so I've got three questions for you or two I lined one out because it wasn't applicable but 
You probably know what I'm going to ask, but are we living in darkness? Can you honestly answer that question? Or I'll ask you this question. Are you willing to answer that question? Sometimes, yeah. I, can, I, I bet you 90% of you can answer it, yes, I can, in here. Because it's easy in here. We lock the doors from the outside. So you're kind of trapped. Can't let you go till we're done. But you have brothers and sisters sitting around you. We always say every week how the leaders love you and they want to help you and they want to be here for you. And they're, they're here to provide what you may need. It's the truth. So the second question I have is, is your equipment good to go? Is your breastplate ready? Is your full armor of God on point? Have you done everything to be ready for that battle when it comes? Because you may not be in that battle. You may not have experienced that war, but it's coming. Most of you high school, high schoolers, raise your hand. Middle schoolers, raise your hand. Most of you will face that battle in the coming years. Seventh, eighth, and ninth are probably the most pivotal and hardest years of your life. My ninth and tenth graders can probably attest to that. Even my seniors can probably tell you those are the hardest years of your life. You will face that battle. Is your armor ready? Do you have that relationship with Christ? Do you need to strengthen that relationship with Christ? Just a couple questions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come tonight, Lord, to say, God, thank you for today. Thank you for just allowing uh, us to have these conversations with your word, Lord, and just being able to glorify you. God, tonight I ask is, uh, as these students leave, as these adults leave, Lord, I just pray that if there's a conversation that needs to be had or a relationship that needs to be strengthened, God, that I pray that they're strong enough in this room to come forward and just say, hey, we need to talk. Even for encouragement, Lord, anything. Lord, again, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity. Just as one year, pray. Amen.